Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Oh, welcome. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me this evening, right now, we have Mr. Spotlow in studio. And soon to be joining us, Mr. Spotlow, we have Mr. Wood. I'm just gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... Is his tongue sticking out? Yeah, in that photo. It looks like wax lips. <laughs> Gets away with it. Taking over. Oh, but. Oh, wow. Marianne Williamson is going to be on Fox News later. I um, love the lyrics of the song. Gotta get off this ship. <laughs> Should have been a little more hip. Marianne Williamson looks Mutiny. like every villain on every Disney movie ever. I know. Cruella and DeVille. Number one, for she's 67 years old. Really? She's an attractive wow. woman for 67. I have to Man. hand it to her. Gilf. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> oh, that's... You know, I'm pretty comfortable with whatever term. That's a term that makes me go, ooh, wow, that's, ooh. I don't know about that one, Seth, but it is a real thing. It's out there, and we're not going to explain Sorry. it. Um, people can figure it out. But, yeah, Marianne Williamson was rocking things last night on the debate stage. Oh. Second round... Or part two, or there are so many of these freaking debates with the Democrats. Same people tonight? No, different people. Oh, the man. next ten. So you have Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Robinette. Yeah, Robinette Biden Jr. Jr. One Joseph Robinette Biden wasn't enough. I love my. What is the deal with that? Unless you are the junior, and it's like your father's like son. If you have a son, name your son <laughs> how I named you. <laughs> Like, it's a tradition. Uh-huh. You're right. But I, I don't get the whole, like, I do not want to name my son, if I ever have a son, Joseph Ray Clark. I like my name. I'm not knocking my name. But I don't I don't get it. If I had a son, mm-hmm. I was going to name him Seth. Really? Because Were you going to give him a different... What's your middle name? Ryan. Seth Ryan Spotlow? Yeah. It's not a bad name. Because I, I have no names. I couldn't think of anything that I liked. Okay. And I was just like, screw it. Going to be a Seth. Okay. And then Rose was something. So he was going to be a junior, or were you going to give him a different middle name? Of course. He was going to be a junior. Why would I change his middle name? Why? (laughs) See, but this to me seems so like... Full of yourself. Yes. Yeah, I'm not full of myself, but I don't care. I have no... I mean, (laughs) what do I get in life? I get to pick my kid's name. Right. So, But now you got love with your little Rose. Yeah, because roses Mm -hmm. are great, because they're beautiful, but when you grab them, they'll stab you. And I believe you told me you named your daughter Rose after Rose McCallum. Yeah. 
Wow. I know, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I, I think a lot of destinies in a name. Yeah. I think there is a difference, not so much. I mean, you make your own way in this world, but if you're named Joe or Joey or Joseph, whatever you go by, that's probably a bit different than being named, you know, Matthew. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of those. Or Christopher. John. John. Though those are all pretty standard, you know, like biblical names, like Adam and Peter and Luke and Matthew and John. Who are you named after? I'm named after my great-grandfather that I was talking about earlier today, uh, Joseph Skanecki. Oh. And then, you know, the whole Joseph the Carpenter thing. You know, the guy who was Jesus' stepdad? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a guy who had to put up with a lot. (laughs) You know? Like, you can imagine, I'm not going to try to get too biblical tonight, but just like you know, your new wife comes to you. is like, yeah, I'm, I'm preggers. I'm pregnant. And, uh, but it was God came down and said, do you, yeah, this is a big responsibility here, mayor. I don't know why I'm shortening up all the words here. But, uh, he's like, oh yeah, really? Okay. Yeah. It was an angel that visited you. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. But. Did they have divorce back then? <laughs> no, I don't think it ended in divorce for the women. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's just. It, I'm imagining it was a little more stringent back then. You ever watch Kevin Smith movies? Yes, I've been watching Dogma. Dogma is a fantastic, it really, movie. really is funny movie, and it's great to see Ben Affleck and Matt Damon back as young. Beginning. Yeah, like doing this silly movie, cutting and, up. And that wasn't even the beginning of them. I mean, they were in like the first Kevin Smith movies. And speaking of that, it made me think of, have you seen the trailer for the Zombieland 2? Oh, yes. I love how they did that trailer because since the first Zombieland was made, I watched it once. I didn't dislike it. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the ride or whatever. Uh, but... Ever since that movie was made, the full cast has now gone on to be Oscar winners and Oscar nominated. So they do the trailer like Oscar winner Emma Stone, <laughs> Oscar nominated Woody Harrelson, and it's this movie about you know, killing zombies. Yeah, oh, I can't wait. It's so that's fun. That's a lot of fun. Uh, but back to Marianne Williamson. She's right here uh, on the story with Martha McCallum, or at least they're going to be talking about her. Last night, she put out a big call. I actually saw this coming for reparations. She wants to spend $500 billion, not in financial assistance, Don Lemon, in true reparations. It is a debt that we owe that we have never settled as a people. And it's not about the ancestors of slaves. Oh. Yeah. I was Native American, man. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No. We ain't getting nothing. You ain't getting anything. (laughs) Okay. I, I'm not responsible for my ancestors' diseases taking out your immune system, okay? Those, those blankets were nice. <laughs> <laughs> now, and it's an interesting thing. While I was going to watch the debate last night, folks, because I was talking about it, I see it as part of my job. Oh, hello, Southernwood. How you doing? Jello. Oh! I like that response. You're looking good today. Did you shave? Did you clean up a little Dude, bit? I look good every day. What do you mean today? Well, I mean, some days today? are better than others. You're a human being. How's life in the cul-de-sac? That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> the top of his head looks like a cul-de-sac. Oh, really? <laughs> now, yeah, it generally... does, actually. Now I see the, the hairline. It's like a nice, cozy neighborhood where you can retire. I, I know... Greg uh, just moved out. <laughs> I know you fancy yourself a comedian. 
well, although that's you're hilarious. generally not funny, but that was a really good line. You actually tickled me. I'm glad you liked it, man, because I was all by myself, and when I'm alone, you don't really know if something's funny or not. Right. Well, the, the problem is, though, is you stole that line from somebody else. You didn't come up with it all on you. No, he didn't steal it. He adapted it. Yeah, well, they they borrowed they told they pointed to where the cul-de-sac was, mm. and I just was asking how life in it was right, going. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's a group effort. Let's not. Let's get off. The, okay. hey, I was gonna watch it. Did you watch anything funny? So. I say I stole. I guarantee you. Did you watch the debate last night? I watched exactly zero seconds of it. Okay. Did you see any of the highlights? Any of that crap? You've been listening to the radio today, I'm sure. I've, I've, I've heard something <laughs> about it. I hate I missed it because I didn't know The Witch was on last night. Oh, Marion Williamson. Yeah. yeah. And I did see her casting oh, but she uh, was coming spell, out. Oh, yeah. like raising demons mm-hmm. up out of the podium or whatever she was uh, doing. She was... Uh, that was pretty cool. Well, I mean, but she, for all her uh, her new agey weird beliefs and, you know, purple language, I think she actually, of all the Democrats from the highlights that I watch, actually understands how Donald Trump won last time. Trump didn't have all this. Trump had the vernacular of, you know, a guy, Donnie from, it's Donnie from Queens. Donnie from Queens. So, Marianne, though, has this, you know, she was, I believe, born and grew up a little bit in Texas. She's Jewish. And then she moved to California and became sort of the spiritual self-help guru in California. And because she has been successful in that business, she knows how to connect with people. She really does. And actually, if you get beyond the wacky stuff, it, it takes all sorts of types to change people's lives. The basic self-help principle she shares with people, you know, people could do a lot worse. So I'm not going to knock her too much on like, oh, she, she is weird. I mean, the healing crystals stuff and like the, there are ways of saying certain things, but it sticks in your mind. Donald Trump has created this dark psychic power, whatever. They do the same and thing. And this collectivized hatred. That's and they I do the same thing, man. It's great. And she is such a weirdo, but she's so good at it and people like her. Well, and and it's also, just like him. He's orange. But she made one point that she said all this wonkiness will not reach the American people. you got to connect with them emotionally. That's exactly right. Yep. That's exactly what Donald Trump did. If I know I might be repeating myself here. Forgive me, folks. You might have heard this other places. But Scott Adams, the guy who used to, he was famous for making the Dilbert comic, comic strip, he started following Trump. He's also a trained hypnotist. And so from learning the powers of persuasion for his comic strip to be successful in that and becoming a trained hypnotist, he had to learn. Uh, and what he learned being a hypnotist is that people are not rational. It, right. he, the way he put it is not like the, the glasses you put on to view the world, and this might offend some people, get over it, are not giving you the truth. At best, according to Scott Adams, you are putting on glasses that give you some glimpse of what the world's actually like, and sometimes it practically works out. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. But let's not pretend you have the whole truth and nothing but the truth, given your perspective. And he said he would be amazed at how much you do, how much you care about. All the decisions you make are not made with that 10% of your brain that's rational. John Conley. John Conley. Why do you bring up John Conley? John Conley. Rose-colored glasses. Oh, okay. Probably the greatest song of all times. Okay, and that's what the song is about. Yeah. is is when like when you're in love with somebody, 
you've got rose-colored glasses on, so everything's red. Everything looks the same. You see past faults. You 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 right. you don't pay attention to any of that stuff. And I think you do make a great point. She is tapping in to that a little bit on a different side yeah. than Trump did. Oh yeah. But that's what she's trying to tap into. But when she gets into the oh, dark spirits, well, no, that's up not the stuff that bothers me. I actually the stuff that bothers makes me about it a little her, weird. But I love her. I love no, her. But I, I love her too. I, I mean, Queen. She is the orb mistress after my own heart. Um, but by the way, this one uh, group had a bunch of like ten-year-olds out there acting like reporters. It was adorable. These kid reporters are very, very adorable. They're wearing like little suits and like you know pantsuits or whatever, and they're asking these presidential candidates questions. And this one little boy asked Marianne Williamson, "Do you have a pet?" And she said, "Well, I had a cat, honey, but the cat died." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god! But then he's he's like, well, I was gonna ask what kind of pet you want to bring to the White House. She goes, oh, honey, I I think uh, I used to have a dog. You said a cat, like I just said. I, by the way, the lilt in her voice is very intoxicating. And um, honey, I I think the White House, my point is big enough for a dog and a cat. I'll get both. And I definitely want a, a department. This is the stuff that actually freaks me out about Marianne. Is the Democrat not just the traditional Democrat side, it's this idea, and she said this last night, well, all these candidates up here don't sound like Democrats. When did Democrats get hesitant about using the power of government to help people? That's... Oh, boy, Marianne. Did you not listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour last night? By the way, folks, if you did not, Where subscribe can... to the podcast. Apple Podcasts. last night. Spotify, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Subscribe. Please, I need it. the help in more ways than one. Much more like, than yeah, subscribing just to my podcast. Google Joey. He <laughs> yeah. loves being Google. <laughs> Google away, baby. That'll make him smile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she goes into, when did we you know, stop getting, you know, not want to use the instruments of government to help people? So she's all about this $500 billion for reparations for slavery. I actually don't have a problem with reparations if you can show... I was somebody who was wronged. These people wronged me, so pay me. It's what Reagan did with those who were interned, Japanese Americans. I'm fine with that. I think it gets a little messy with uh, the slavery issue because we're so many generations removed. But actually, she anticipates that point. I watched an interview with her talking about this. She's like, well, it's not just about the money. It is about the money. But it is also about a symbolic... uh, It's like burying the hatchet. It's like we'd never paid that debt. And she goes into this convoluted math. If you think about 40 acres and a mule and like the millions of people that were enslaved that were recently freed and how many of those people didn't get this stuff and Anyway, that's one of her programs. She also wants to create a Department of Peace. Paging George Orwell. Paging George Orwell. I wonder whether the Department of Peace. Right. Uh, And she also told the... She runs off the rails. She also told the little kid reporter uh, that she wants to create a Department of, of Children. Because we're all about the children. Don't we already have the, you know, Department of Education? Like the children's health care programs, like Medicaid and uh, like child earned child tax credits or whatever earned tax credits for children. All, and we have a lot, of, and this is what I'm 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 having a tough time with the Democrats here because we give out a lot of money to people for the things they're already talking about. 
I think I saw John Stossel actually try to calculate the dollar value of what the free stuff Democrats want to give away, all their promises, which they won't live up to. They just won't. But even if they get close to it, you're talking $100 trillion, not more. It's ridiculous and see, how much where, money we're talking. Where I would disagree with you, we don't give out dollars to people. We give out dollars to departments. You brought up the department. Oh, yeah. you, you brought up the Department of Education. Sure. When was the Department of Education founded? Do you know? Seth, uh, do you know? Carter. Yeah. Jimmy Carter. That's in my lifetime. And we went from number one in the world to 17th or something like that. Now, there were... You just stole my point. Yes. But that's what Happy I'm talking about. It. And no, that's fine, though. But that's, that's what happens when you set up a system... What's going to happen when you set up a system or you set up a, yeah. a set of rules? You're going to find a way to game the set of rules. You're going to find out a way to get more money and do less with it so you can put more in your pocket. That's what yeah. the bleep happens. Well, we do give it to departments, and this is where I will entertain the idea. If you want to get rid of all our current department welfare programs, assistance programs, make it just a straight Here's $1,000. I might entertain that for all sorts of reasons. But that's not what I want to get into tonight. We do give money directly to people. It's like the earned income tax credit, these sorts of things. There's the child tax credit. There are direct credits to people. Um, like so. <laughs> and see, I'm torn on that. I got four right. youngins. Right. And or actually, even, I'm down to and three also, now. Also, what's the big conservative? I got one. I'm <laughs> we talked about this the other day, <laughs> Southern Wood Off Air. What's the big conservative push on education? Get rid of, like, the zoning neighborhood schools, these sorts of things. Give people vouchers. So even conservatives, like, give yeah. people money. We're not, like, callous people. I mean, me as a libertarian, I can sometimes be like, well, why don't, you know, why a kid, whatever happened to a kid playing in the backyard with a stick digging a hole? Like, they can learn a lot doing that. I, Use I, your I, imagination. I, climbing trees, falling out I, of I think this is one thing you kind of mischaracterized the conversation we had. That's assuming that you're going to take our earned money oh, sure. and apply it somewhere. Right. Then give me that. I mean, I think in Montgomery it's like eleven hundred, twelve hundred dollars a child. Yeah. You know, give me thirty six hundred dollars a year and let me use it as I want to right. to educate my children. I mean, we do. We homeschool. I mean, we file with the state. We, I mean, everything's certified. It's not like they're just, you know, locked in a closet or something. I mean, we file grades and all that kind of stuff. We do all that. And so that cost us money. Uh, God forbid you're having to send your children to private school, to uh, the academy or ACA oh, right. or Trinity. Mm -hmm. Catholic's not exactly cheap. Huh? You know, and I mean, heck, even if you, go, you know, step down to the, you know, the lower level. Yeah. But it's, it's, my point was, give me the voucher. And give they're going to tax you. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, my money yeah give me that money and let right. me send my child to Hooper Academy. Right. And I'll be fine with it. You know, but w this is why we cannot get more money for the school system a, because the school system is run horribly. I mean, it is terrible. And B, because there are so many people that are actually earning money, having money drug out of their paycheck every year, having to pay for property taxes that goes mostly yeah. 
to the school system, and they're not even going utilizing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. wait, think about the people that are retired. Right. And their even grandchildren are not in the school system. Well, and, and you're talking about at the state level, and that's complicated enough. At the state level, it's at least closer to home. And if you're talking about the federal government doing things, and this is what the reason for my rant last night, again, Joey Clark Radio Hour, available where podcasts are available, is this idea... And I think if the conservatives really buy into this, this is just me, a lowly, malcontented liberty lover saying this. But there are certain conservatives now in the age of Trump, essentially, to me, sound like old school progressives and Democrats. They're not, they want different things to be done. But you have now nationalist conservatives, I'm not talking about you patriots love the country. I mean, conservatives are saying there are a lot of problems in the country. Well, you need to use the power of government, the federal government, to solve these problems. And you now have the left. I mean, you heard it last night, you'll hear it tonight. Almost every little problem under the sun, big or small problems. Government can fix it. Woo! Fix it. They, they can fix anything. We're in this together. We're collectively in this together. Together. But here's so the thing. Collectively I, together. Yeah, we're collectively. We're, so we're like a big commune. Right, yeah. A commune mm. that lives together and just goes all together. So we would be like, three of us would be communist. <laughs> is what we would be, right? Right. The way that I put it, the three of us would be them, okay? But we've got to be, be... And then I'd be the guy that's under there that's doing stuff that nobody We've also about. got to be worried about our social structure. Mm-hmm. So we, we're, we're concerned about being social and taking care of one another. And so we would be socialist as well and communist. Well, actually, yeah. it, 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 I mean, I mean, that's basically but, what they're saying without using the words. Because when you hear those two words, it changes. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what Germany was. Oh, that's what the USSR was. Right. And you think back to bad times, and they have the idea. Would well, but they didn't do it right. We can do it. <laughs> We're the ones running it with love, with love, honey. Buckets of that's love. That's another thing Divine the witch said. Yes, that's what the witch said. Was you know something that to that effect. Sh- Why you call her the witch, Marianne? <laughs> I love Marianne. <laughs> you like Miss William? You're down with the orb queen. Yeah, yeah, Heck yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm all for it. Actually, I think I think if she gets a nomination, I'm going to be really torn, folks, because it'll, it'll have nothing to do with politics or political ideology or good policy. It'll have what if every, a witch was president? No, yeah, yeah. Oh. it'll have everything to do with my devotion to irony. It's like, oh, democracy's already a joke. Let's really give them the punchline. Mm. Please, But that punchline might end up being not so funny. We'll see. Here's the point, though. Instead of listening to Marianne Williamson or Bernie Sanders, I wrote the damn bill, Tim Ryan. Of course it'll work how I said. I wrote it. I thought that was a good line. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Tim Ryan looks like, as he's answering, he's like... <sighs> Just answer the question, Tim. This is his inner monologue. Just answer the question, Tim. Represent the good working people of the Rust Belt. Don't beat your pants. Don't beat your pants. You wore a diaper. It's fine. This is... <laughs> don't. You're blinking too much. You're blinking too much. No, don't look at the camera too much. Don't look at them too... Ah! Breathe. Like, he just is freaking out. And I feel for the guy because he's a nervous... He's a ball of nerves up there. 
I, I really do feel for somebody like Tim Wright. I wore, like, Is he the guy that looks like the dude off King of the Hill? I think so. Wait. Which dude? The, ba- the ball guy? No, he's not bald. No, that's Hickenlooper. Oh, Hickenlooper. Yeah. yeah. He looks like a... That's Governor Hickenlooper of Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looks just like it. There's one of them. Yeah. It, and when it's just a crazy circus, but I, whether it's the left really goes whole hog on this, but it's happening on the right, too. We've got to stop holding, like, individual people as accountable for the sins of society. Because let's just say I was channeling my inner divine love, that place of consciousness that I once came from. I was inspired by the words of Marianne Williamson, so I wrote my own purple prose last night while I was watching another self-help guru. I'll get to him after the break, but here's a little bit of what I wrote. It's purple, folks. It's a little weird, but I think I have a point. Do you have, like, some gems in your hand? Some or were you rubbing an orb? It wasn't it? Wasn't quite an orb or a crystal. <laughs> anyway, when I or anybody else, but I use the first person. When I hold another person responsible for the sins of society, I cast them to play either the role of the devil or savior. Starring opposite, of course, my own starring role as God. When I hold myself responsible for the sins of society, I cast myself to play all three. But no one, though we may fall and sin and miss the mark and all this stuff, is actually the devil. No one, though we may rise and redeem ourselves and help others and save people from their hardships and their tragedies, is actually the savior. And no one, though we may judge all sorts of things we create, especially society, is God. And though we may judge the rise and fall of the society we create, judge all the great things we've made as a people, and judge all the terrible things we've done to one another as a people, no one is responsible for society's sins, only their own. Because no one is society. I mean, we can't fully embody, this is what I mean. And you wrote that? Yeah. the first time you've heard anything he's wrote he's good dude now now listen listen he's good that is probably the best thing you've ever written oh, in your thank life thank you thank you uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, polishing oh, thank you thank polishing you. his stones over here well and this is the thing and this is an amazing attack i saw on the witch as you call her but the glorious orb queen marianne williamson who is look at her right there can you believe that woman is 67 She's hot, man. She's a little weird looking, but she's hot. I'm telling you. Deville. She Look. looks like she wants to steal 101 dogs. Listen, <laughs> dude, did you not watch Game of Thrones? Oh, yes. She's a red. If I yeah. guarantee you that necklace around her neck has got a ruby orb on it, if she took it off and walked out into the sunlight in the morning, she would turn into dust. Honey, I'm actually a thousand years old. You don't look like that at 67. That's weird. Yeah, it's weird that it because she is very attractive, but she's also that, like... Look at that smile. Yeah, she, and I read a piece on her. A guy that worked with her said she's actually not some kook. She's a very insightful, brilliant woman. Um, oh, she now she is very insightful because yeah. she has picked up, like you, you've been stuff. talking about. Yeah. 
She's been she's picked up on how Donald Trump won, and he did win. Look at her charming Bill Hemmer right got, there. Look at that. He's, she got Bill Hemmer to sit there. She has powers of persuasion, folks. That's People the point. can't see what y'all are looking at. She's sitting there on a television <laughs> interview, essentially charming the pants off Bill Hemmer. That's unreal. I've ne- no, killed. I'm I'm being serious, folks. I've never seen a Fox News host smirk. And kind of smile and, and cor- like a, like, you know, think of a little kid, like your daughter, like embarrassed, like yeah. hugging your leg when she doesn't want to say hi to me. Yeah. That's the face Bill Hemmer just made <laughs> talking to Marianne Williamson. That was the weirdest thing, you know, right in the middle of us talking about this. But Dude, here's that proof she's a witch. <laughs> you can't be that no, sexy she's just, when you're 67 she's years old. Very well trained in the art of persuasion, is my point. Uh, you don't, she feels pers- it. I think she feels it. She yeah. really does. Uh, well, and she this, believes in herself. This one article I read today said this. It was a guy who was working on her latest book uh, that came out. No, The Politics of Love, and he was helping her. And he said he was raised Southern Baptist, like so he doesn't believe all the crap she believed. He kind of went into it going, why do you want me to help you? And he said they were working one day where there was an uh, ottoman in front of, in between them, and they were sitting in opposite chairs looking at one another, kind of just going back and forth on each page, each chapter. And he had just had a major tragedy in his life. Like, I think his wife or his girlfriend or something left him. And all of a sudden, without saying a word about what he was going through, she stops in the middle of uh, taking a note from him about her book and goes, that's all well and good, but tell me, honey, what's on your mind because it's the most important thing in the world right now. I can feel it. And he broke down in tears. And she sat there for hours talking to him about, like, she's a very intuitive, persuasive person. There's a reason she's been a, a good self-help guru. But then I read another article on her. And this is the most bizarre critique I've ever heard. And it shows exactly what's wrong with the left. It reminds me of the other self-help guru I watched last night instead of the debate. I'll get to him after this break. The attack was, Marianne Williamson, if you're on the left, might seem like she's good for you. But really... She's just this rugged individualist that blames the victim. Because how dare she tell people that if you have illness or sickness or poverty or anything wrong in your life, it's something else caused it. No, that you are not living up to your best self. That you might... Imagine this. If you're suffering in life, you might partly be responsible for it. How dare she or anybody else suggest it's not you who's responsible. It's always society. Oh, so it's not somebody else's fault? No, that's exactly what she says. Some, sometimes it's your own fault yeah. that you're wallowing in misery? Well, it's almost like anybody what with a little... Donald Trump? And yeah. that's why I'm, I'm with you, Joey. She has tapped in on a different level, the same thing Donald Trump tapped into. What did he say? Make America great again. Well, and also he and used, he meant by that, get your tail out there and make America great again. And I'm going to help with, you know, uh, changing... Uh, different government policies, but get out there, work, let's be great again. And she's tapping into it on a different side, right. but the same, it's the same emotion. It's an emotional thing that and it's they're a tapping into. Thing. Yeah. Yes, in the same symbols. It's not all these numbers, it's not all this data. It's how, you, number one, you carry yourself, it's body language, it's how you speak. It's how you repeat yourself, repeat yourself, repeat yourself. I'm going to build a wall. It's also that symbol of the wall. Donald Trump didn't come out and say, 
This is according to the guy, Scott Adams, wrote Dilbert. He called Trump's victory in 2015. He said, Donald Trump is going to win this thing because I've studied how human beings are for being a best-selling comic strip author, as well as being a trained hypnotist. We are not rational beings. We respond to body language. We respond to symbols. And how do you get somebody to accept an idea that you want to persuade them towards? You make it, it's like the movie Inception. You make it the most simple form of the idea possible, and you plant it like a seed in somebody's brain, so you repeat the simple idea. And what did Trump repeat all the time? He didn't come out and say, "Uh, we're going to increase the number of Border Patrol agents by 300,000, or we're going to have drone and electronic surveillance technology, and it's going to be multi-billion. No, he said, we're going to build a wall. You can't build a wall. It's just it's, it's 2,000 miles. No, we're going to build the wall. It just got 10 feet taller. Exactly. <laughs> it is going to be a beautiful And wall. whether you hate Donald Trump or you love Donald Trump, you know about the wall. I had a guy at, we were at a redneck, I'm talking redneck cookout. Y'all, y'all have never met cowboys like this. I mean, these are country boys. <laughs> and that was the one thing that was said about Donald Trump. There was an old guy. He says, man, I ain't never voted before, and I can't repeat his language because it's very coarse. He says, but you know the one thing about that SOB? He said, when he talks, I can understand what he's saying. He's got that every Because he talks like his exact words. This is the most important thing. He talks like we do. Yeah. And you better believe, especially those suburban women who find Donald Trump crass and rude or whatever. He's coarse. And that is borne out in all polls. I've heard it from the right and the left. Yeah, I don't. It, I don't think it's as many as you think. Well, maybe, maybe not. But I, you better believe a lot of the suburban women know exactly how Marianne Williamson is talking. The same way Donald Trump reached your friend, Marianne Williamson is reaching a lot of. Well, she already did. She again, she sold millions of books um, through Oprah and people I, like that. Yeah, I'll give you that one now. So I just find it. I do. I'm nervous because I don't like any of this. I don't like these people coming around. Saying, I'm going to be your champion and save you and use the power of government to make things in life fair. It's like, oh God, spare me. But it is interesting that politics is becoming less about the official political class with all their plans to save the world, and it's now sort of these what were once considered fringe, yeah, entertainment or, or fringe self-help. Yeah, Donald Trump, literally in the WWE Hall of Fame, are now getting in and saying, hey, we can play this game, too. And we can do it more effectively than any of you professional politicos ever dreamed. Because we've been doing it on a different level for years. You just play it what we do. So it's interesting. Anyway, we got to hit this break here. It's, it's- yeah, and I well, want to tell ahead. folks I'm, about. I'm not say else. I want to tell folks about the other self-help guru of recent vintage that I watched instead of the debate, if you can call it that. Um, but after the break, it inspired those words I shared with you earlier. But before we hit this break, I want to tell folks about Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. He's a fantastic sponsor of the Eddie show. Eddie Bader? Great guy, too. The real so estate down guy. to earth, great sense of humor, loves vacationing in Jamaica. So let's help Eddie Bader folks take another vacation to Jamaica by selling another house, closing another deal. And how does he close a deal? Well, it's by helping you. So if you're looking to buy a home 
or sell a home here in the River Region. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is the man to call at 322-0662. Again, that number, Seth? 322-0662. What if you're just looking to rent a house, though? They can help you with that, too, over at the Goodson Group. But what if I own a house that I want to rent out, but I don't want to take care? I'm moving out of town. You're asking great questions tonight, Southernwood. I need somebody to manage manage it for me. The Goodson Group does that, and Eddie Bader is an expert at that. He's what? just he's an all-around jack of yeah, all trades. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I mean, he doesn't have any houses that he owns that he rents. Well, out no, of. that's how he got his start in real estate. What? He changed his own life doing that, investing and managing those properties. For example, there's a house, seventy-nine thirty-five Plum Orchard Way, for one hundred and forty grand, but it can be negotiated. Fantastic home in Lake Forest. The orchards at Lake Forest, two bedroom, two bath condo with a two car garage. The home offers two master suites with walk-in closets and private bathrooms. This is a steal, wow. folks. This is a steal. That sounds like a great it's home. It's a nice place. So if you're looking for a place like that or to get a place like that listed, call Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. 322-0662. 322-0662. Oh, it's like we're a well-oiled machine, gentlemen. <laughs> Kind of like we've done this before. (laughs) Oh, this song is so funky, it makes me want to dance. I can't help myself. Mutiny. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, wherever podcasts are available. We'll be right back. intending on watching the debate after I got home. The AC is fixed at my new apartment. Ooh, took long enough. Noise. Yeah. You were right about it. I just needed a whole new outside unit they, so they were going to They must have called the wrong company is all I can think. <laughs> they have an on-site staff. How so. many days it take? <laughs> it took a while. Okay. Well, I'm, a lot of saying, I'm, a lot I'm, I'm not disparaging. Don't yeah. mention the apartment complex. Uh, I'm I'm just thinking they probably didn't call this one company I was thinking about. Probably could have got it done the same day or maybe the next right. day. Yeah, if I, I know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I was looking to watch the debate. It was nice and cool in my apartment. And I'm looking on YouTube to stream it. Because the last one was on NBC. They have a YouTube channel. Streamed it. CNN, you go to their YouTube channel. Not there. I guess they want you to go to their website or actually watch on CNN live. So it wasn't on NBC? No, it was on CNN. What? It's on CNN again tonight. So I oh. guess I'm not watching it again. Nope, we're not watching that one. And it's just like they kept it in their own silo. There were hardly even any clips coming out of the debate on CNN social media. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I'm like, I'm done with it. I'm not waiting around. Because I had things to do. The debate started right as the show ended at 7. I believe the same thing for tonight's debate. 
So I was like, okay, I'll wait and you know let it go on so I can skip commercials. Can't find it. I'm like, what am I going to watch? A video that's new pops up. Self-help guru of recent vintage. Little bit different, though, than, say, Marianne Williamson, but not that different. So not a witch? Not a witch. A trained psychologist, researcher, has published hundreds of papers and academic journals. He's now sold millions of books ah, worldwide. So he's a warlock. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Sorcerer. Right. Uh, well, he, he's like the lobster god of uh, the new people. I'm talking about Jordan Peterson. And he was asked to give a lecture at the Independent Institute. Great folks. I've followed them for a while as a libertarian. They're kind of a classical liberal libertarian bent. And the topic he was supposed to speak on is the importance of the sovereignty of the individual. And essentially, without recounting, you can look up the lecture yourself if you're into this sort of thing. Maybe you're not, but I am. Because I think it is at the heart of the issue facing the West in general, not just the United States, but a lot of the Western tradition today. What's happening right now is we are becoming, for lack of a better word, too collectivist. Not the, it's a clunky word, but essentially people it's an saying... important word, though. It, people saying the individual doesn't matter. In fact, you are really just an avatar, Seth, of your race and your economic class and of all the other influences on you. You aren't really you and responsible for all your decisions. It's more your group. I'm an ant now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's more or less extreme versions of this. There are people that are more like, we need to care about the community more and have government do things. And they're not straight up communists. I, I can grant that. There's different degrees of this idea. Flying ants. There, no, there really are different degrees of this idea. But the basic thing that I think is being... Well, chipped away at slowly but surely is the idea that we respect the individual. And Wade, and you'll pick up on this very quick, uh, Clay, and use your name on purpose, is the role of the Logos in Western society. It is unique in human history, this idea that the Logos is at the beginning before anything comes into being. The Logos is then embodied in time. And then the Logos is at the end of time. And it is when you speak words into being. And this goes beyond, as Peterson lays out, uh, this is older of an idea in the West than Christianity and Jesus being the perfect representation of the Logos. It goes back to, like, old Sumeria. The great hero of Sumeria is Moloch. And Moloch was this uh, god that had eyes all the way around his head. And he was the one who slayed Tiamat, the sea goddess, who was raining havoc on the people. Slays Tiamat and uses her pieces to make the world. But if you think about what that, that weird symbol, that weird story is, okay, somebody who pays attention, all the eyes all around all of his head, and can say, I'm going to take action and embody the words I'm saying to make the world. It's what we do all the time. That's exactly what we do all the time. And that's the great insight of the West. But it's not the whole group that can do that. It, you want to have friends. You want to have family. You want to have community. You want to have cities and nations. And as serviceable and as large as we can get them without them falling apart. But the, the main thing that actually orders the world and makes sense of the world when it gets a little too chaotic is the Logos. Is the hero that embodies the word. And you can take that for whatever you want. It, 
we're here in Montgomery, Alabama. You should take that in the biblical sense. But it, it's before the Bible even comes into being, these ideas are starting to be developed in the West. Well, and, and you can even take that to mean maybe it's a fulfillment um, that comes out in the Bible. These are early ideas is the point. And, and I think, I mean, even if you remove the religious aspect from that, if, if you go... Uh, I'm hearing that too. I don't know why it's happening with your mic. I, some it's it's my these. It's not the headphones. That, that, I'm hearing it too. Yeah. Okay. Clear now. Yeah. Uh, the uh, it, removing the religious aspect from that is the idea of the logos, in which we don't we don't see until John. I mean, <laughs> it's it's well after. Lots of life is lived in civilization if you just believe. And John know, didn't uh, just come up with it out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. It's a tradition. But the thing is, is everything was started. Mankind as a whole screwed everything up. Mm -hmm. And then the Logos had to come back to fix everything. Gave them an opportunity to fix it. They didn't accept the Logos. And he had to go away. And then at some point he will come back, and then you'll have per perfection. Going to give you two chances. Say, right. Look, y'all screwed everything up. Here's the way to go. And they say, No, nah, we don't want to go that way. We we still want to try it one more time, right? To fix it, and that is more spiritual. And then that's what we're living in. But it's my what opinion. We, but it's what we do. Bring it down to just a psychological level. It's what we do all the time whenever we succeed in life. Or let's say life's in a really tough spot. You know, you're not happy. You know, you're really struggling. What do you do if you are to get out of it? Is you, number one, have to think and take an assessment of where am I? And then create a plan of action. And this requires language. These are, this requires words. And then you have to act and embody these ideas and these words and move forward and help order your life out of that chaos. But, and this is the brilliant thing, because the Logos is eternal at the beginning and the end, but it also is embodied in time. So because you are in time, it means you have to perpetually do this. And though, uh, this is what I take from it, though you are a product of how your mother and father raised you, Though you are a product of all these deep ideas that have been developed over thousands of years. Though you are a product of, I am, uh, I'm convicted in the idea of evolution. Though you, and this is Peterson's point on his chapter about lobsters. We share the same serotonin reward system as lobsters. And his point is that there, those sorts of creatures go back before there were trees. And his only point is that these systems operating within us are very, very, very old. So they're probably, there's some truth to them and how they operate that we have trouble living right here in time, even understanding. And so we're, even though we're a product of all these forces going all the way back to the Big Bang and these things, you're still you right now. And you have to make a decision right now. So That's right. Bringing it to politics, you can blame... All sorts of reasons for poverty on uh, multiple factors. You can blame racism and bigotry on multiple things. You can you can find all sorts of factors and reasons life is not great. And then you can say, well, if you just give me the power of the government, I can fix it. But I think the real way you fix any problem, big or small, is by starting with the individual. And even the politicians who have all this collectivist talk of we're going to do this together and we're all in this together fine sentiment what does it come down to we're not arguing about all the people we're arguing about donald trump one man 
We're arguing about Hillary Clinton, one woman, or Marianne Williamson, or Joe Biden. Who's going to be the one person? Who's the one person that's going to replace Martha Roby here in the district? Who's that one judge? It always comes down to you're talking about a given person. And person, a person is a person is a person. Nothing more and certainly not anything less. I'm not saying just being a person is a bad thing or a lesser thing. No, it's the most important thing. Yeah. So stop trying to think that whether you think Donald Trump is the devil or the savior, I don't think that is a role that he should be cast in. He's a man at the end of the day, and he might have good ideas, he might have bad ideas, and that applies to Trump or any other president or any other representative or any judge, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But it comes down... To what is, are you as a person going to decide? How are you going to tap into the logos to make your life better and hopefully, right. as a spinoff effect, help make other people's lives better? Yeah, because I don't think that your presupposition, the, 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 whatever your worldview is, whether God created the world, whether it's a yeah. young earth or a flat earth or a round earth or billions of years old, big bang, that really should not affect anything about Joey, Clay, or Seth right now. Right. Because we weren't there. Right. I mean, that doesn't affect us. Just take what we you got have here and make the best of it. Thank you, Seth Spotlow. Yes. We're here right now. And it probably Do sucks. what you need to do right now. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. We'll find out one day, or but we'll we do. will just die and have no consciousness well, anymore. And, and here's an amazing point. Oh, what about this? What if, what if you don't exist... And Seth doesn't exist. We, and, and my entire you. consciousness is just my own life. Grandpa and watched what? The Matrix. Okay, you've been watching <laughs> the Marianne Williamson a little too much. Hey, dude, I'm telling you. She's on to something. I, well, and also, I hear people. To steal a point from Jordan Peterson, I could punch you in the face. We'll see how not real I am. <laughs> I hear people Pain in, reminds in this people studio of reality. Yeah. from 9 to noon sure. to Saturdays. I hear some crazy stuff. Y'all think they're crazy? Y'all to let me just give me one hour <laughs> to tell you what I think the world's like. I got some weird ideas. Well, fair enough. Things go through my head, but it, but the I'll point is, we are in the reality we're in right now. Well, and so what's our responsibility in this reality right now? There's another fantastic point I heard Peterson make, it, that so many people live off, let's say, the culture they're given. And they don't contribute anything going forward. They don't use their logos to continue the journey and continue the creation. They essentially feast off what was given to them, and they leave it dead until there's nothing left Disease. of... Well, nothing left of that, that carcass of the tradition society that you left. I Sorry, I just watched Blue Planet, where this sperm whale descended to the bottom of the ocean, and all these different life forms start feeding off at different stages. Amazing. Yeah, no. It's an amazing uh, thing to behold, and it hit me when I heard Peterson say this, that we can try to live off the traditions and all the things given to us, all the prosperity and good ideas given by our ancestors, but at a certain point we have to pick up the ball and run with it without betraying them. Without completely writing them off and saying, oh, this is rotten. I think we need to preserve the dignity and the sovereignty of the individual and say now that everybody is a basic person with basic human rights, dignity made in the image of the likeness of God and nature's God, then we pick up the ball and we continue that journey. And all the problems that we have now can be addressed with those basic ideas. 